0: Welcome to the podcast for We Hope Glasgow. We're so glad that you're taking the time to listen to this message from Sunday. May it be a blessing to you today. Good morning, it's great to see you and uh, I bring blessings from, uh, from Belfast. As Brian said, I lead the campus in Belfast and it's so fun to be here, fun to be amongst friends, looking around, there's so many faces of people who I know and I've known for many years. I was part of this church uh, for four years. I, I moved away from here in 2012, and God's just been on an amazing journey uh, in my life, in my family's life, and, uh, and it's so fun to be back here this morning. We've been going through this series both here and in, in, in Belfast, looking at this whole thing of prayer and a number of different things to do with the topic of prayer. And And what I've come to talk this morning on are two very specific words, which uh, are so uh, used very often in my family right now. My wife and I are constantly saying these words. We have a well, he's soon to turn three, a three-year-old boy called Reuben, who is an absolute. I'm going to pick my words carefully. He's a joy, but also he. Anyone who's got a toddler knows that they have moments of amazing. Uh, joy and in- intellect, and also moments of crazy meltdown. And, uh, and then we've also got a seven-week-old, or she, she's eight weeks old now, uh, daughter called Brooke. And so my wife sent me a picture this morning. They were both dressed up in matching dungarees, and they looked cute as anything. Um, but I had, a, I had a night where I was not woken up, so I woke up with joy in my heart this morning. But two words that are used very often in my household are the words of weight. Reuben, would you wait? The other day, he ran out into the road. And as a parent, you're like, please, God, no cars. Please. But Reuben, would you wait? And the other word is listen. Would you just listen? The other day, Ruben and I, uh, it was a sunny day, uh, one of the only sunny days we get in Belfast. And it was gray the day before. And I said to Ruben, "Ruben, if the sun's out tomorrow, we're going to go and plant some strawberries. And so we went out into our yard, and uh, and it was sunny, and so I'd got some strawberries, and and I was there, busy getting everything ready, and I turned around, and Reuben had a whole handful of compost, and just went, confetti! (laughs) Reuben, would you just listen? (laughs) Would you wait? I want to go through seven points this morning, six, uh, three on waiting, and three on listening, and then the final one, will bring it all together, and we're going to run through it As quickly as we can because I want to take some time and it's so important in all of the listening that you're going to do and in the interaction we're going to have now that more than anything we have time to listen and wait on God above everything else we want to hear from heaven this morning so the first point is this what are you waiting for what are you waiting for I don't know about you but I'm sure your life is busy We all have things that are busy, whether you're a student right now going through exams and essays, whether you are a parent having sleepless nights, whether you are busy working, whatever you put your hand to, you are in a period of time where no doubt you are busy. We're also in an age of digital distraction where your phone is going off all the time with things that pull your attention left, right, and center. We find ways in our days to be so filled up with noise, and we find little time to be still and to listen. We also spend a lot of time in the internal mind, thinking about things that we should do, could do, or should have done differently. And we constantly come to that battle in our own souls where we go, if only, and we have that dialogue, that inner voice which constantly chatters away, that to do list which seems to never get done, but yet we find more things to add to it and things to take away, but it is constant. We live in a state. Of busyness. In Isaiah forty twenty-eight it says this, and it's going to come on the screen. Have you not known? Have you not heard the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth? He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youth shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But in verse 31, this is a beautiful piece of hope. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. What a wonderful promise that is. That in the midst of a busy day, in the midst of a busy life, that there are words of hope. That God is the creator God. He's the everlasting God. He's the God who's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. He will be the same. He is a strength and a stronghold. But do you not know, it says, that the Lord is the everlasting God. He's the creator God. But it says, those who wait for the Lord, those who wait shall renew their strength. As we wait for God, as we spend time in his presence, as we saturate ourselves in him and we hit that pause button and we get away from it all. He comes and renew us. Dallas Willard says these words: "Hurry is the great enemy of spiritual life in our day. You must ruth- ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life." So, what does your day look like, and what do you need to do to ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your days? Number two, the problem of waiting. If we're honest. We hate waiting. <laughs> We're terrible at waiting. We are impatient people to the core. Everything about us yearns for something now. We live in an age of immediate gratification. We want that thing now when we want it. We want it right away and we struggle to wait. We don't like to wait. My son is, as I've said, he's three or turning three soon. He's, um, he's got a very interesting music taste for a three-year-old. His two favorite artists, you would not believe who they are, Elton John <laughs> and Stevie Wonder. The other day, I mean, come on, right? That's, a, that's not bad choices for a three-year-old. I'm like, I can, I can listen to that, mate. That's fine. The other day he said to me, Daddy, I want to listen to Stevie Wonder. And he said these words, you've got it on your phone. It's on Spotify. What? Like, he gets that if I turn on my phone that there is a world of music at his fingertips and he can ask for whatever he wants in a moment. My son is growing up in an age of instant gratification. That thing that he wants, he can get it. When I was a kid, I would have had to go off to a shop to Woolworths, God bless your soul. And, <laughs> and I would have to go into the shop and browse and hope that they weren't sold out of my favorite music. I think the first... Uh, I'm not even going to say it. I was going to say the first album I ever bought, but I'm not going to go there. Um, It was Britney Spears. Hit me, baby. Come on. (laughs) And uh, and that first, and we we browse, but if it's not there, we can't get it, and so we have to go and try and find another CD shop that might sell it. But my son is in an age of instant gratification. If you want a a food delivered to your house, what do you do? You get on your phone instant gratification. I'll go to delivery, and they'll deliver it to my house. If I want to watch that movie, well, I'll go on Netflix. I don't want to wait for the next one. I don't want to wait for a year or a week for the next bit in the series. So I'm going to binge watch. And I'm, before I know it, I've watched 12 hours worth of TV because I want to know what's going to happen next. I mean, there's some guilty faces right now. You know what I'm talking about. You have sat there. and you've Because we live in an age of instant gratification where what we want, we get. And so this whole notion of waiting, of slowing down, of, as Dallas Willow said, ruthlessly eliminating the sense of hurry and need for more. From our lives, just is not something that we're very happy with. Or dare I even talk about if you text someone and they don't text you back within a, I don't know what your time limit is, two minutes, all oh, the drama, they haven't messaged me back, and you start to feel anxious. We live in another age right now, filled with social anxiety, filled with worries. Stats are showing that people are more depressed now in our age than ever before. Why? One of the key reasons is this. We struggle to be still. We struggle to wait. We struggle to slow ourselves down. The rhythms in our lives are sometimes so off kilter. So many people sleep with their phones under their pillow because we don't want to miss that thing, that message that might come through. And so we wait poorly in the hope that there is something else to happen. We struggle to slow down. But what happens when we pray? And we pray and it's not answered. And we pray and we believe in the scriptures and we open the word of God and we believe that God is one who hears and answers. But when we pray and there's a void and there's a silence, next week we're gonna be unpacking uh, unanswered prayer. But what happens in that void where there is nothing? And there is no word. And we start to get anxious about the lack of the voice of God. About the lack of a prayer that's being answered. And we struggle to wait in that moment. But here's the thing. When the prayer isn't answered, that's where sometimes the problems really start to arise. Because the devil loves to jump in in that moment and start to whisper things in your ear. See, I told you. God doesn't listen. I told you. God doesn't hear you. You should not have wasted your time. And you start to get into this position of disappointment towards God and, and thinking, why should I have bothered praying or, or, or discouragement or doubt? And it starts to fester within you. But also those questions around our own identity before God. Am I really his son? Am I really a daughter of God? Does he really love me? Does he even hear me when I pray? And we find ourselves entering into what we spoke about a few weeks ago of this whole spiritual battle that is raging over you. In Daniel 10, we, we read this really challenging, eye-opening piece of scripture. I'm not going to unpack it in any depth right now, but it's important that we raise it because within this is so much truth around this whole area of waiting. Daniel 10, and just to give a little bit of a backstory to this, Daniel is praying, and he enters into a time where he's praying and fasting, and he gets down on his knees. And then in verse 12, we read this. Then he, an angelic being, said, Don't be frightened, Daniel, for your request has been heard in heaven and was answered. The very first day you began to fast before the Lord and pray for understanding. Let's just pause there. The very first day Daniel began to pray, God heard, and he released an angel to answer. Remember that. The very first instance that Daniel got on his knees to pray, an answer was released. God heard. That very day, I was sent here to meet you. Again, that's the angel speaking. But, verse 13, for 21 days, the evil mighty spirit who overrules the kingdom of Persia blocked my way. Then Michael, one of the top officers of the heavenly army, he's an archangel, he came to help me. So that I was able to break through these spirit rulers of Persia. Now I'm here to tell you what will happen to your people, the Jews at the end times, for the fulfillment of this prophecy in many, is many years away. Quite simply what is happening here, Daniel prays. And we read that he prayed for 21 days. And in that period of three weeks he'd been praying, the instant he prayed, God heard. He released an answer but there was a battle raging in the heavenlies. There was spiritual warfare over that prayer that meant that the prayer was not answered in that time. It wasn't that God didn't hear, and it wasn't that God isn't powerless to intervene. It's that there is a battle raging. So why is there a battle raging over the prayers that we answer? Simply because you matter, because God cares so much for you. He hears, his ears are bent towards you, and as you pray, God hears but sometimes there is a, what we could call a divine delay, that there is a moment where there is a delay in the heavenlies because there is a battle raging over that prayer that the devil hates it. When you pray for for reawakening of the lands, when you're praying for the salvation of a friend, he does not want that prayer to go answered, and so he's gonna fight. It doesn't mean that God hasn't heard, and it doesn't mean that God isn't answering and working, but sometimes those prayers, there's a waiting period before the answer comes. I haven't got loads of time, and we're not gonna unpack that, this morning. But know this as we read in Ephesians 6, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood because we have our minds fixated on the things of the flesh and the blood because that's what we can understand. But our struggle is not against that but it's against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. There is a spiritual battle raging and so when you pray it's really important to remember this, that God is not powerless to answer. He is not powerless to answer, and he is not turning his back or his ear away from you. He is hearing. But oftentimes in the heavenlies, there is a battle raging for the answer to that prayer to get to you, for you to see it. God is not powerless. Let's keep moving on. The lesson in the waiting, this is point three. Waiting is always going to be a test. We struggle to wait, but it's a test of our character. It's a test of our trust. It's a test of endurance, of perseverance. Even in share time this morning, we heard of stories of prayers that have been prayed even two years prior for a job. And it took a number of years for a prayer to come to a point of being answered. There is a time where we have to wait. Daniel had to wait for 21 days. I wonder if it's 21 years, 21 months for you. Because we live in an age of instant gratification. We think if only God would click his fingers and it'd be done. But it's a test of our character. Waiting is always gonna be a step of faith. Placing your trust in him. It's no longer about I, but I'm gonna trust in you. It's not what I can do in my own strength. What I can do in my own abilities It's about I want God to be God. And I trust in you who is faithful to completion, that you who began a good work in me will bring it about to completion. It is not about what I can do in my own strength. But here's the problem we have a bad posture towards waiting across everything. We don't want to wait for that thing, and so we rack up debt. We put it on credit, hoping that we can pay it back another time, but we rack up debt. We don't want to wait, and so we commit sexual sin. We step into a relationship that we may, not have, may we, we probably shouldn't have been in. But we live in a body that is so made for sex but we give it away all too easy. Why? Because we don't want to wait. We don't want to live within the character and limits of God because we think that that is limiting on who I want to be. But God has ordained a different way to live, but we don't want to wait. We enter into a job perhaps too soon because we think that's the right one at that moment, but actually God had a better thing for us, but we just aren't willing to wait. If only we would learn to hear the voice of God. Timothy Keller in his book entitled Prayer, Timothy Keller is a pastor in New York. He says, this prayer is the only gateway into genuine self-knowledge. It is also the main way we experience deep change, the reordering of our loves. What is the thing that you love the most? Well, God wants to reorder that. And as you enter into prayer and waiting, he'll start to reveal things to you about that is a priority in your life, but that is not a priority of mine. And God wants to shape and mold us into more and more into his likeness. If we would but wait and listen. So that takes us on to the second point of listening. Who are you listening to? There's a story we read in Samuel, and you can read it in your own time. I'll just flick by it now. But in Samuel, we read this story of this boy called Samuel who's ministering under the tutelage of Eli, who's a priest. And there's three times that Samuel hears God shouting his name. And he comes out and goes running to Eli. Eli, you, what do you, why are you shouting at me? I'm sleeping. And Eli goes, it wasn't me. Go back to bed. And it happens again. It wasn't me. Go back to bed. And it happens again. And Eli goes, hold on a minute. I, I think it might be God. So next time you hear, say, here I am. Your servant is listening. You see, for each of us, there are moments in our lives where God is calling out to you. He's calling your name. He sees you and he's longing for you to come back. He's longing for you to to learn more about who he is. You see, God is a creator God who made the heavens and the earth, who made all of creation. Do you not think God is powerful enough to speak to you through a book like the Bible? Do you not think he's powerful enough to speak to you through a friend, through creation, through divine revelation of any sort that he would want but oftentimes we don't have eyes to see or ears to hear what he's wanting to say to us and we're like Samuel running to somebody else going did you call did you did you shout my name but all the time it's actually God saying come and listen so what are you listening to what are you listening to we have a problem in often discerning that voice so number, th- number five in all of this is the problem of listening. We can be listening to the wrong things, or we can listen and attribute it to the wrong person. All around us, all the time, there are different voices calling us. As we spoke about earlier about the busyness, we get pulled left, right, and center towards other things. And so often we, we fix our hearts or our minds onto the wrong things, but we first and foremost gotta be listening to God. Well, how do we do that? Firstly, we have to get in the word. When we read our Bibles, this is why Bible read-through groups are so important. When you read your Bibles, you begin to discern the character of God. You begin to understand his heart and his will for you and this world. You begin to understand how how he speaks and who who he's wanting to speak to you as, as a son, as a daughter, as one who is loved and forgiven. You begin to hear the, the rhythms of how he speaks to you. You do that first and foremost by getting in his word. And then by surrounding yourself with people who are doing likewise, again, plug, get in Bible read through group. Because then you're in a group of people who are doing likewise. And you can then begin to say, I, I think God may be speaking to me through this. Did you, did you get something from that? Did you? And you can start to discern together what is God wanting to say to you. But there's also voices that are going to say things to you from the outside. Maybe a friend, maybe someone who you don't even know who might come to you and say, I feel like I've got a word from God for you today. And in that moment, we need to be wise and discerning. Uh, a number of years ago, just before I, uh, I came to plant Rehope in Belfast, uh, my wife and I were living in London and Brian will know this story all too well because he walked me through all of this. And there was a moment where we'd said yes to the call I'd heard the voice of God. It was so, uh, it was so strong. I don't, I, it's, it's not like I hear from God on a regular rhythm in this type of way. It was really clear. And, and, and God just began to uh, reveal what his plan is and his heart was for my wife and I. But, but in the run-up to moving from London to Belfast, my wife was working in a coffee shop. And this guy came up to her and said, I've got a word from God for you. And I won't go into the full details of the word, other to say this. The guy, came, as part of the story, said, when your husband is standing at the front of the church, a guy's going to come into the church and hold a gun to his head. And he's going to be killed. What do you do with that? I mean, this guy was talking specifically about me. So my wife came home that night shaken and we sat down and she told me the whole story and i mean she was in tears and i'm my i've got an emotional range of a of a robot and a very unintelligent robot and um <laughs> and so i was trying my best to hold it together um and uh, and we we were just sharing and, and 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 we were like what do we do with this and so we shared it with some people i shared it with brian we processed it we walked through it together and it didn't take long for us to discern clearly that this was not a voice of god this was not a word from the lord this was anything but this was a spiritual battle this was a word of satan wanting to distract and destroy that which he which god was wanting to enact through our lives It came right at a moment where we were about to move to plant a church. It came at a point in time where God was planning dreams and visions in our hearts, but also the lives of other people who were starting to consider being part of the church. John 10.10 says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. You see, Satan wanted anything but for us to go to Belfast and plant the church. Why? Because Satan knew that there was gonna be good and beautiful things that were gonna happen, that lives were gonna be transformed and changed and the gospel was gonna be preached. And so he didn't want that to take place. And so we planted this seed of doubt. And I shared this with our church last week in Belfast that there are still moments where I stand at the front of that church and I come up with a Bible in hand ready to preach and that picture comes into my mind. And then I have a moment where I go, I wonder if today's the day when that guy's going to come in. I still have those moments. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. And so we need to discern what is a word of God and what is not. And Ruth Weller was really helpful in helping me to just work through all of this stuff. And if you've done any of the prayer courses here, you'll, you'll see this because I nicked it completely from Ruth. Um, and there's five simple discernment checks we've got to do as we, as we process this type of thing. The first one is, is it in line with God's word? Is it in line with who we see in the Bible, in the character of God? Number two, does it glorify Jesus and bring you closer to God? If a word comes from you or if you read it from anywhere else or you feel that God's speaking to you, does it, does it bring glory to Jesus? Number three, does it witness in your spirit and with the spirit of God? Do you ultimately have a peace about it? Do you ultimately come to a place of rest in your soul towards that thing? Number four, do other believers also have that sense of peace in their spirit? And, then, and number five is, with all of this, we've got to remember who God is. That God is one who speaks truth. That he renews our thinking that we are loved. That he speaks with clarity, not in a complicated way. He's, gonna, he's not going to leave us going, I don't quite understand. It's going to be Actually, there's going to be clarity that comes. And as you discern it with others, you begin to filter out all the other noise and you'll be able to go, no, this is, this is what the word is saying. That God is one who speaks gently. He instills hope and he establishes intimacy. See, that word that came to, to my wife of, your husband's going to be killed with a gun to his head while preaching the word. That does not line up with any of those. That's not from the word of God. It doesn't glorify Jesus. It doesn't witness to my spirit. I certainly didn't have peace about it. Other believers didn't have a sense of peace about it. And it doesn't line up with who the Bible says God is. And there may be some of you here today who have received a word from God at some point from somebody who has claimed it to be a word of God and it's left you in a place of wreck and ruin. This morning, as as part of our time together, I really pray earnestly that you would go and receive prayer. And that the word of God would come clearly to your mind this morning. That you would be able to discern that if it's not of God and it's left you in a place where you're not at peace, that you'd be able to let that go and cut that and be free of it. We need to be able to do this stuff well. Number six, the lesson in the waiting. The lesson in the waiting. There's a number of lessons we've already spoken about of discernment, of making sure that we're in the word. But as I was thinking and processing through, what do we, how do we listen well? We've got to start from a position of worship. Start from a position of worship. As you take a posture of waiting and listening, have a posture of worship. Rather than entering into a time where you go, God, this time's for you, but I really hope that I get something out of this. Rather than that being the starting point of I want to get something out of this, which isn't necessarily wrong, but start from a position of giving glory to the one who is worthy of it all. God, I glorify your name. I thank you for this moment. I, I thank you that you are the Holy One. And after giving glory and worship to God, affirming who God is, affirming his character, thanking him for what he's done, asking God to remove all those hindrances and things that we, that we may have come burdened into that moment with, we we let it all go and we say, God, this, this, is, this is all for you. You are magnificent. You are wonderful. We then come to a place of submission. And we submit our wills before the Father. And we say, not my will be done, but yours. I worship you. I give glory to you. I submit everything, all my heart's desires. I lay them down and I say, would your, would your, be, your voice be the loudest one that I hear? Would your voice be the loudest one that I hear? And then we have a posture of listening. What do you say to me in these moments? Fill my mind with the things of you. We go from worship into submission. So, the final thing, number seven, the purpose of waiting and listening. And I go back to my son and screaming and shouting at him, Reuben, would you listen? (laughs) Would you wait? I think in many ways that's what God's wanting to shout over each of us here. That he is our heavenly father, is one who who longs for us to listen, to wait, to stop throwing stuff in the air and shouting confetti and pretending everything's okay. And just being still and having a humble heart to come before him who is worthy. God is not mean, he's not capricious, he's not hard-hearted, he's not telling us to do these things because he's longing simply for our attention for the sake of anything other than he just wants to be with us. And he wants to speak good things over our lives. And he wants to point us to a position of obedience. And he's calling us into a place of holiness and we have to start all of that from a position of relationship. Why do we pray? It's to move us from simply communication to communion. That we commune with the Father. We spend time in his presence. We listen and we wait on him because we just long to, to soak in his presence. Dallas Willard says, It is only to be expected then that God would speak to us as persons who know each other, care about each other, and are invested in common enterprises together. He goes on and says, our failure to hear God has its deepest roots in a failure to understand, accept, and grow into a conversational relationship with God. That we don't just come before the Father and just give a whole load of words and verbal dialogue at Him, but actually it's a case of, what are some common enterprises that we can enter into together, where I listen to him when i pray i take time to listen to observe the things that he's wanting me to observe to have my eyes open to what is placed before me to to hear his voice as i read through the scriptures to to spend time with him just because i want to spend time with him and he wants to spend time with me john 10:27 jesus is talking with a bunch of guys in the temple courts And they're asking him to tell him who he is. Are you the Messiah? And he says this, I did tell you, but you did not believe. The works I do in my father's name testify about me, but you do not believe because you are not my sheep. And he says these words, which are so crucial for each of us. My sheep, listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. My sheep, listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I'm going to close out this morning. And maybe the band want to come up, and, uh, and we're going to enter into a time of, of worship and listening and in a moment. But I just want to read this psalm. Psalm 46 says this. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore we will not fear though the earth give way, and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea. Come and see what the Lord has done. The desolations He has brought on the earth. He makes war cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. But after all of that, after all of the, the quaking of the earth and the desolation of moments in time, See, I don't know what your heart is like right now. I don't know what's going on in your spirit. I don't know what you're wrestling with, what noise is babbling away in your mind right now, what things and busyness that you've got ahead of you today, what relationship issues you've got, what, what moments that you're just kind of, where things are maybe falling apart. But we come to this point in the psalm where it says this. He says, in the midst of it all, he says, be still, And know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted on the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Be still and know that I am God. See, when you take that moment, that time to rest in His presence, to hear His voice, to be His sheep to the shepherd to listen as he calls, to open your eyes to his word, your ears being attentive to to his voice. When you learn to discern all the other pieces that are around you, you come to that place where you realize the words of the psalmist, where he says that God makes us lie down, to be still by the quiet waters and to rest, that you realize that those words are so true for you, but it doesn't mean that everything else is just going to disappear and, and the busyness and the hectic of life is going to just fade away in but a moment. But actually, in that place of resting, God brings rest for all of your soul, for every single part of you. So I've got three challenges for you. The first one is this set aside intentional time each day this week to wait and listen. And be intentional in that, taking the time every day could be a minute just set a timer on your phone could be 20 minutes could be half an hour but be intentional in that the second one is uh, you may have prayers that you've been praying but they've gone unanswered maybe like david or like daniel sorry for 21 days praying with no answer praying with no answer persevere let that be a word for you today persevere waiting as a test of your character so persevere and then number three practice that rhythm of worship and submission. Worship and submission. As you come to that place of waiting and listening, to worship first, submit your will before him, and to listen.